This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. I don't know. How did you get to Boston? I drove six hours today. <laughs> and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> no, really, sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to drive a long time. Why? What, what's up in Boston? I am in Boston because I am a yoga teacher on the side. And I'm doing a training at the Justice Resource Institute for trauma-sensitive yoga. So we had Interesting. A, yes very specific way of doing yoga very different from any studio class that most people would have gone to um and uh so today we had a three-hour introduction to the nine-month curriculum page by page line by line and ended up turning into a 30-minute conversation about the debate of um touching students in class like physical adjustments and stuff they are on the side of do not for trauma-sensitive yoga but there were lots of questions and, and debates about that sort of a thing. So that was a delight. What was the lead question? The lead question was like, but I want to. Is well, so it's cool? <laughs> right? So wait, is it cool? Is it cool if I touch people? No, but, but what if I touch them this way? Well, that's the thing, actually. What if they seem like they want me to touch them? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. What if I pry open this can of worms? How's that? <laughs> oh, jeez. Is there I a s- class where that would be okay? In general, like seriously, yes, there are (laughs) there are some yoga classes where it is okay to do physical adjustments when you ask for permission. That's okay. Are there other classes that where it would be okay? I don't know. See, I was. This is why I wanted to talk about this because I wanted to bring up my idea, which maybe it's a thing already. I don't know, but I think there should be sex class, not sex ed, where you learn about your changing bodies, but like where you learn how to have sex with people. Minors or adults? Like, who's taking well, this class? Adults, I get like. <laughs> I'm very concerned about this idea. Who's taking? Who's teaching? Just this like class? imagine this class? your experience is like you learning to do stuff. What experiences? Tell me. Tell sex, me about these sex, experiences. Sex, sex, sexual experiences. <laughs> I, I like you didn't. More. You didn't know what was. You didn't know which end was up. It was. <laughs> it was confusing. And so I was up all mostly... last night cramming for my sex class quiz. Oh, no. oh, oh. yeah, you were. Craig. <laughs> Welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books that you have been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. My name is Jillian. I'm back. She's back. She's back. I'm That's back. my sister. The uh, three fans was... are pleased to hear me back. <laughs> three uh, people she... really liked you, actually. Yeah. They liked your like semi-incredulous take on The Hobbit. <laughs> That was probably the nicest way anyone could have put it, yeah. I really liked that uh, description. 
That's what yeah, my everyone is. was a big fan of uh, my sister being on the show, and I thought it would be cool to have her in my fellowship for the ring. And then we decided to talk about sex class, so Sweet. it all worked out. It's, it's great, great when brothers and sisters talk about sexual things. Okay, sexual experiences. <laughs> Where would this class be held, Andrew? Where would you even have a sex class? I don't know the sexnasium. Oh, what about the multi-purpose sexnatorium? Oh, you could just have it at like the the adult education center. Oh, just down at the Y. Come yeah. on down to the Y for sex class, young man. Come and take a sex you have class. People, I said, people young moonlighting man. to earn their MBAs, and then down the hall sex class. Oh my god! Yeah. Let's talk about what's books. What are books? <laughs> what? So Books we touched a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Andrew used the power of the internet to force me to read the Lord of the Rings books. And can I interject and say, subsequently, my brother forced me to read the Fellowship of the Ring. Correct. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure what, how this trickled down. Like, if you were trying to offload some of the work, or <laughs> no, like what, I feel what I actually believe that was. my request to. Uh, Jillian, don't call me Jill. Um, actually, predate predates Andrew's like listener blackmail that led me to reading That's true. these. Yeah, I think uh, it did actually. The and listeners then, want what they want. Well, they do. They want. Yeah, that's. I like our listeners, so I'll do whatever they want. <laughs> um, Careful. Yeah, I know. Except go to sex class. Um, <laughs> and so I figured, in the spirit of the fellowship, that I would uh, continue to have. Uh, my sister on to help me through this book because yeah. um, you guys have both read it yes and you neither of you had read it before right correct no. right okay. which is that's the premise of this show sorry if mm-hmm. you got this far in and didn't know that <laughs> you know I obviously had... this is a book podcast <laughs> much <laughs> like the hobbit i'd shied away from this book Every every week, somebody reads a book they've never read before and then tells the other one about it. That's our basic deal. And sometimes we have special guests on, yeah, like hey. this time. Yeah. So and we they, talked they about they the Hobbit. Through the you darkness. can go listen to that one. It's awesome. We it's two talked, weeks ago, we talked about Tolkien, 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 Tolkien. <laughs> so I think this time we're mostly just going to talk about the book. Andrew, is there any like big picture Tolkien stuff you wanted to cover? Um, I mean, I think we can just revisit like the publication of this book and the whole like involved history of Middle Earth and like all this whole mythology that Tolkien dreamed up. So he he writes and publishes The Hobbit in like 1933, was it? Something like Seven? that. 37. 1937. Okay, cool. Great. Um, <laughs> Tom, right. The Adventures of Tom Bombadil or whatever it is is like 1934. Oh. So <laughs> you're good. You're good. And so he, he wants to publish another thing. And what he wants to publish, <laughs> you know, a book, and what he wants to publish is the Silmarillion. God bless you. Yes. Which is his giant, like, Middle Earth Bible that explains, like, the cre- literally explains the creation of this world and all of the races in it. And then, like, the early, like, the first age of Middle Earth. And we're in the third age in Lord of the Rings. And his publishers were like, well, this is great, but what about like hobbits? And this like really is not anything <laughs> like your last work. People love hobbits. 
And so he's, you know, he's he envisions the Lord of the Rings, this trilogy that happens in the same universe, harkens like it uses the Silmarillion as like background a lot of the time. Yeah. Like it alludes to stuff that happens. And then if you read the Silmarillion, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember when they talked about that in Lord of the Rings. And that's basically that's basically the deal. Like all these books are tied together. The Silmarillion was not actually published until after Tolkien passed away. Like he had done a ton of work on it. He'd been working on it pretty much his whole life. But it's one of those things where I think maybe like the perfect ended up being the enemy of the good and he just like never yeah. got it into a position where he was comfortable publishing it. He was quoted in a in a letter he wrote about starting in on Lord of the Rings. He said to a friend of his, I've begun on the sequel to The Hobbit again. It is now flowing along and getting quite out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> That happens. Uh, he later followed it up by kind of saying that he was he was talking about how it was getting away from the like children's story aspects of The Hobbit and becoming this kind of epic romance history thing uh, that it is. And then and I think you can you can see that you yeah. can feel that happening over especially like the first in, part of Fellowship in mm-hmm. Fellowship, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gave up on writing it a couple times. Apparently, he started writing it like in serial form. He was sending drafts to his son while his son was serving in the Royal Air Force in like 1943 and 44, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he sent it to the publishers in 47. It was finally published in 1954. Apparently, like post-war paper shortages made it difficult to get out because he had all those maps and appendices which is one of the reasons why they broke up the book into three pieces, but also because they thought it would sell better that way. Uh, yeah, like I was, I was reading about this, digested. and he was apparently talking about publishing the Silmarillion and all three Lord of the Rings books in like one giant volume. Oh. And I don't even know, I don't even how know how you, you would that pick up? that up. I don't know. <laughs> You'd have to like read it on a stand, like like a huge Oxford English Dictionary kind of a thing, and just yes. have it held up for you. Yeah, That's so nobody crazy. nobody would have read that. It could be the Come exact same Come read my text. thesis project. Here's this thing I built. Like It's like, oh my, calm down, Tolkien. Let us read one story first, not all the so stories. It, it ended up being split into three books. Uh, Fellowship of the Ring is the first. And then each of those books is split up into like two smaller like sub-volumes. And so that's... That's the structure that we're dealing with. I don't know if you guys had any other stuff that you wanted to get to before we just dive right in. I think you wanted to talk a little bit just about fantasy stuff, right, Joel? Kind of yeah. allu- similar to the world building that he did with the Silmarillion. Um, a little bit. What, but actually what is kind that of, about? Yeah, just a little kind of like higher level for some people who maybe don't read a lot of fantasy novels or maybe they know them more from like films, which, you know, yeah. typically are are adapted from books or the HBO Um, original series, game of Thrones. Exactly. Stuff like that. Yes, exactly. Um, And at the time that the Hobbit was published and then even um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the word fantasy was not really in use. It wasn't until after the fact, more books like these were being published. Um, So kind of like once you start to see a pattern, then everyone wants to name it, right? Like we love naming stuff. Um, so then there came with this new terminology of like fantasy novels. So I had found a really interesting, um, taxonomy that 
had been done on fantasy. So because once we need a genre, we need lots of sub genres. Um, and there were four of them. One is the portal quest. So you actually need to go through a portal to go to the fantastical world. That would be like the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. There's portal Quest the... was my favorite Atari game. I don't even know if that's a joke or a real thing. I gotta it's, tell no, you. it's a joke. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Just going to be upfront about that. I don't even know. <laughs> there may well be an Atari game named Portal Quest. I don't know. Joke just got real. I think there was like a series of games where it was called like Sword Quest and Fire Quest or something like that. And there was like mm-hmm. real world prizes. Is that I think that's a thing. Someone write in if they ever won Sword Quest. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go Sorry, ahead. Continue. Okay, great. Taxonomy number two. Um, an intrusion fantasy. So that's where the fantastical element invades the fictional world, which is in in ultimately the real world so thinking of dracula or any other vampire stories where you know the real world exists and then here comes this what's that what's that movie that disney movie where amy adams came through the sewer and then cyclops was a prince and came after her what was that called enchanted was that called maybe i think the muppets (laughs) no ever after that is the muppets an example of this because (laughs) it's happening in the real world but there are little felt monsters running everywhere but are they fantastical like are they you know have you seen miss piggy they yeah what's what's gonzo (laughs) have you seen the new girlfriend gonzo used to be a a hobbit i think i've seen i've seen the new girlfriend and i don't want to talk about it okay all right so we'll get back to the taxonomy stop it stop it (laughs) There's the liminal <laughs> fantasy it, where the stop. where the magic hovers out of sight, so it's much more in the real world, but there's magical elements. And then there's the Tolkien version of immersive fantasy, where in a sense they describe it as there's no escape from the fantastic elements. Right? It's oh, a whole there other is world. no escape. <laughs> no escape. Just so, but like it's like its own like hermetically sealed world, and it's not some riff on the real world or exactly, like that. exactly. Yeah, and yeah so it's that's never gonna pan out to like Jimmy and Judy reading a book, or you know, a Hobbit's gonna fall through a hole and end up yeah, in their like closet. Bilbo right. falls out of the wardrobe or something. Oh and, yeah, there's probably fanfic out there that does that. But so immersive oh, fantas- fantasies are also sure. called high fantasies. My weekend with oh, Bilbo. Yes, oh, you lost me. All right, let's just talk about the book. That's fine. Whatever. Any no, I like it. I, I like did, your taxonomy. Trying because... to talk about fantasy and explain how these genres work. Whatever. Fine. Move on. No, Sorry. I like. No, I. I like it. I really like it. I want to keep doing it. Um. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> well, like, okay, so let's let's talk about the type of like fantasy that this is. Like, th- there are some real like problems with these books, like structurally oh, sometimes. And we can like we can talk about those, but these these books like launched an entire genre almost. Like mm-hmm. there are so many fantasy books that would not just would not exist without Lord of the Rings. Like I think Game yes. of Thrones, like Song of Ice and Fire, is a more distant relative. But if you look at something like The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan, like the first couple mm-hmm. books of that were straight up Lord of the Rings ripoffs. Like not to like belittle the work because the first few books in that series are very enjoyable to read. But oh, definitely. Like Tolkien's fingerprints are all over that stuff, mm-hmm. and I don't like I don't I don't think that genre exists like it does today. Like whenever you go into a Walden Books and you see a 
a trade paperback with like a a muscly guy holding a sword. Like I don't think any of that exists as it does today without Tolkien. Oh, see, you said that, and I went right to romance novel. I did not go to fantasy. That's, I mean, that's another genre we talk about. <laughs> but you guys seemed uncomfortable, right? Hunky earlier. guy with a sword, probably a kill. When I tried to steer the off. conversation in that direction, just saying, just saying. I, no, I mean, you guys have talked about it in other podcasts, and then, then we'll get to the book about how it's sometimes interesting to read the first in a genre. Yeah. And you you've read it now, at, you know, many decades or centuries, depending on the book, after the fact, you've read books that clearly were influenced by this first book. And now you're reading this fo- first book with all that knowledge. Yes. And it's mm-hmm. really hard to not to, to, to read it as if it was the first time, like what it must have been like for readers back then to read it. I have no idea um, because you, you just know about everything that came after. The best way to simulate that, I think, is to read it when you're younger, which is what mm. I did. And I think that that works for a lot of a lot of books w- in like the tropes before they became tropes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, field yeah. is you want to read it before you're aware that they're tropes because that's your. <laughs> it's the only way to pretend that you that all that other stuff doesn't exist. A good delineator would be before you even know what the word trope means. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> What that word means, don't then you're probably good. Yeah. yeah. Once you learn well, and it, I you wonder sh- with, you're done. With this one, it's you know, it draws a lot on that northern European folklore set that I imagine if you're reading it when it's first coming out, it just feels mythical in a way that I don't know, Greek mythology feel like it's so tied to a specific style it's mythical, of, mythical in a familiar way yeah and tied to a specific folklore and kind of mythic culture that i feel like if you're reading the way we read fantasy now is it's most of it's derivative of tolkien whereas like tolkien is kind of i said his name t- differently yes, back you to did. back it's yep. fine Whoa. we're just gonna roll with it um, <laughs> we'll fix it in post <laughs> Just edit it, drop it back in. Um, where I think he is specifically kind of riffing on all of that mythology and trying to invent it for himself, which is a thing that like sometimes you do when you're a little kid. I'm not saying anything about him. Um, you just kind of make up worlds and write them down and maybe someone will be interested or not. That's just like what you do. Yeah, he language. just kept doing it and he built a whole franchise on it. But yeah, we I mean we talked last episode about his his ties to Beowulf and that kind of mm-hmm. mythology and it's this is this is it's has that that's its lineage I guess. Like a lot of a lot of books now trace their lineage back to Tolkien but his stuff sprung out of that myth, I think more than anything. Yes. Mm-hmm. Andrew, should we take a quick break? Okay. Hey, Andrew, we got a sponsor this week. Yeah, tell me more. Yeah, it's the Dollar Shave Club, dollarshaveclub.com. Have you ever okay, heard of... tell me more. Tell me still more. <laughs> have you ever heard of shaving? I have heard of shaving. I do it every day to every other day. I haven't shaved in a long time, and I think the last razor I used was so old that it was a fan of the Brooklyn Dodgers as opposed to the Los Angeles Dodgers. I don't know that's if you... A, you know, that was a good joke because you had to explain it right yeah. after. Well, that's I... how you can tell. <laughs> I assume that that's why you have a beard now is you just got you got tired 
of shaving with really old blades. You got tired of paying like $20 per pack every time you needed to replace razors. Yeah, and I wouldn't even try it now because like $20 in 19 was like way more today. (laughs) It was, it's true. Uh, So they've changed all that and they I think they've revolutionized the way I would shave if I shaved. If you shave. Now, I shave and they are totally free to revolutionize the way that I shave. Here's how... (laughs) Here's how it works. As you go to dollarshaveclub.com slash overdue, you pick from one of their three blade options. They have a basic two blade version, uh, the 4X, which as you might be able to infer is a four blade razor. Not four times then, two, not an eight blade razor. <laughs> no, okay. but they do have the executive, which is a six blade razor. It looks very fancy. Okay. You buy one of them, you buy one of them razors. They are not expensive. You buy, you can buy some add-on stuff if you want. You get some shave butter, you get some aftershave. And then every month after that, they're going to send you a new pack of razors for the, the price of the blade that you paid for. So, so like the four blade one, for example, is $6. It's free shipping. Wow. So every okay. month after that, for $6, they will send you four new blades. So you can shave with a new blade whenever you want. I bet that people who've been making those expensive razors are kind of scared they're like running scared do you think that's what they <laughs> i think that's what they they're just would sitting do. like in, in these in meeting rooms like sweating bullets like oh no what do we do? <laughs> i imagine that there is a, a razor executive who is listening to this show right now who is freaking out why can't we we gotta get some kind of deal like this for like printer ink people <laughs> like isn't it just gotta kill that business model? that's true we gotta we gotta do that but meanwhile we're killing the shaving business model uh you can join millions of people who have joined uh dollar shave club at dollar shave doc mm, at dollar shave club.com slash overdue <laughs> dollar shave club.com slash overdue blades work for dudes and ladies it's very inclusive you shave your beard shave your legs you read a book that's what we're all about here on overdue So, let us set out on an adventure. Wait, no, I have to Wait, tell you about Hobbits. I have to oh. tell it's the oh, right. it's the music from the movie. But first, I oh, have to tell it? you about Hobbits. Because Wait, tell me, yeah, tell me about Hobbits. Because this book opens with a whole chapter about Hobbits. <sighs> like I get Hobbits, okay? You could have skipped it. What? But I didn't know. How would I, I skip, skip it? it? How would I know? Actually, one thing that we we could talk about at some point in the next three episodes is like what parts you skip when you read these through the second time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Let's highlight all of concerning hobbits, please. So tell me, tell me about hobbits and pipeweed and whatever stuff. What okay, was that into. whole section about I, the art to smoking? Well, I was impressed that hobbits invented smoking. That's what I Apparently. learned from concerning hobbits. And then made it an art form. Yeah, Nic- Nicotiana. Nicotiana, they call it. I get it. Yeah. Also, they like uh, they like books that are set out fair with no contradictions. They don't like complication, hobbits don't. It has everything they already know already in it. So yes. that's what you're looking for from a book. <laughs> Nothing new. This book challenges me in no way whatsoever. Put Listen, it on my shelf, ima- please. Imagine that you picked up the Fellowship of the Ring at your, I don't know what Walden Books was in the 50s, like 
I don't know what the equivalent like the book five seller and dime? would have been. What? Yeah, the five. You pick this up at the old five and dime mm-hmm. down the down the street. Um, after a rousing game of stickball, you're drinking your strawberry phosphate, and you're yeah, going and, uh, to get imagine a book from the five that, and dime. Imagine that you had not read the children's book, The Hobbit, from 16 oh, years before. Like this, this does my serve experience. a purpose. I read oh, yeah, this book you first. Read this in different order. Yes. How was it for you then? Terrible. <laughs> I wish I had read The Hobbit first because okay. I really enjoyed that and I enjoyed the tone. Okay. Um, I went into The Hobbit very worried because I had read this first. <laughs> so, yeah. So I had that experience, Andrew, and that was my response. The purpose of this prologue, and that's, I mean, there there are a bunch of appendices after the last book in the series that kind of take on a similar tone, almost yeah. almost like dry academic sort of tone that is not maybe Tolkien's best voice. Um, But the point is to tell you all the stuff that you would have known about hobbits if you read the Hobbit. So they're homebodies. They're not super adventurous. They just kind of, they like things just so, and they're comfortable just kind of existing and that's fine for them. And they're short and hairy and love to eat. Right. Those are all the takeaways. Yeah. Yeah. They're big smokers too. They're high all day. They are. Before we move on from the prologue, can I just talk about how worrisome that last sentence was to me? Which one? Which? At this point, the history begins. (laughs) Why is that worrisome? Because that sounds so boring. (laughs) I mean, and I was a history major, so I love history, but history can be really boring. And if I'm going into a novel like, oh, okay, fine, Hobbits again, but something's going to happen. What's going to happen? A history... That just sounds very dry and boring, and I was, and then all of a sudden, there's notes on the Shired records in reference to, you know, fake history books and all this sort of stuff, and I just went, oh no. <laughs> so y'all didn't like that first part. Then, is the <laughs> point of this little aside? Said Andrew with the voice of a mother who just finished preparing dinner. So you didn't like that. <laughs> I'll get the craft mac and cheese. <laughs> So, lo and behold, though, the story does open with the birthday party, which is pretty cool. Bilbo's turning 11 Eleven. That's pretty funny. How adorable. Also, I turn 11 Also, let me just put it out there. Frodo and Bilbo, born the day after me. I almost share their birthday. That's pretty Aww. cool. I, I think on my 11th birthday, I'm going to disappear. <laughs> <laughs> so, you get past concerning hobbits. Uh-huh. And you get into the bulk of the story and it's very like it's a very energetic chapter like there are lots of plans happening what's like tell me how are you how are you feeling are you feeling relieved now you called it energetic yeah <laughs> i'm gonna lose all my fans my three fans i'm gonna lose them you found it energetic Jeez. okay all right craig it you feels it's just the it hustle and bustle like, of party planning it feels like the tone of the hobbit at least like this chapter feels it like did a little bit yeah we're eating stuff, we're bouncing around, we're living in hobbit holes, like Bilbo's up to stuff that you don't really understand, Gandalf's maybe there, maybe he's not, maybe he's back, who knows, it's like a cool time, we're down in New Orleans, except it's the Shire, that's what's going on. I guess, there's some bad poems. but don't worry about the poems. Let's not, let's, let's get hung up on the bad poems later, let's, let's, let's get through establishing the tone, and then blast through the plot, and then... Go there. from there. I'll leave that yeah. to Craig. <laughs> so, so <laughs> Bilbo, for kind of just 
reasons, I guess, is leaving. <laughs> like he's he's just he wants got to have a, another adventure. He's got uh, yeah, itchy feet. That's true. He's got itchy hobbit feet, which just sounds gross. <laughs> and he throws a big birthday party for himself, which sounds like a cool deal because he's got all mm-hmm. this treasure that he got from the dragon. So he's got all this stuff, and he uh, he decides to give this speech, which has this great quote in it which is i don't know half of you as i don't know half of you as well as i should like and i like less than half of you half as well as you deserve it's a pretty great sentiment i think andrew (laughs) i think the reason that you get like you jive with this is you identify with bilbo bilbo is the ultimate troll i think well, I mean, there are literally trolls in this universe, well, so let's not oh. like let's not dis- <laughs> let's not discount them. Bilbo, what, what when Bilbo's turning eleventy one? Yep, he's just like out of he's out of f's to give. <laughs> Man, cuss on this show. <laughs> we can just mark this one explicit, right? Like we've already talked about sex class. Do you mark want to? One? I guess. Great. Well, fuck. All, okay. Bil- okay. Bilbo's all out of fucks to give <laughs> on his 111st birthday. Uh-huh. Like he's leaving and he's built. He's burning bridges, and so he just uh, he doesn't care anymore. Well, but, okay. Yeah. So can we we got to talk about though how he uses the ring at the party to help him leave. Mm-hmm. 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 So in the last book, just in case you didn't listen to the Hobbit episode for whatever reason, one Bilbo helps some doors beat a dragon. Two on his way to do that, he picked up an invisibility ring. Great. Wow. Good job. It took us wow. so that's long a, last that's time. That's the Hobbit. I don't know why it took <laughs> us. He went an there hour and he came time. back again. But there you go. Yeah. And he got a ring. <laughs> so, do, and he they see him use it, right? That's true. So some people see no, him. they they don't see him use it. They don't they're, see him because he's like invisible. Rumors, yeah, they're oh, <laughs> there are rumors about Bilbo being like crazy or whatever. But Gandalf is there at the party and he sees what Bilbo is going to do and he creates like a convenient flash. Oh, that's right. Because he thinks he thinks Bilbo's being a little reckless at this point. Yes. yes. And then he then they have a big talk about how Bilbo needs to leave the ring for Frodo and it's super dangerous. You can't take it with you, Bilbo. And there's this really protracted sequence where Bilbo is like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> Dude, if I, I like mean, it, it's mine. But, like, I, like I could have it, right? <laughs> and it goes off for pages. Like, Bilbo, yes. you just gotta leave because Gandalf's gonna turn you into a toad. Like, just go. Just go. <laughs> and he goes. And he leaves the ring for Frodo. And then there's this awesome sequence where Frodo has to give all of Bilbo's gifts to people. And Bilbo trolls everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is my favorite. So, Bilbo's, what are your favorite Bilbo trolls? So Bilbo's got all this stuff in his house in Bag End. Uh, it's a cool name for house. That's in the, the Shire, Bagginses. right? It is. Yes. It is in Bam. <laughs> Two points to Gryffindor. Um, <laughs> and so he gives Milo gets a pen and ink because Milo never keeps in touch, mm-hmm. <laughs> and all these things like come with notes to tell them. Um, Hugo Bracegirdle got Ooh. a bookcase. Because he never returned books to Bilbo. <laughs> so he gets an empty bookcase. Uh, and then it ends with Lobelia gets a bunch of spoons because Bilbo thinks he st- she stole all his spoons. <laughs> she wants his silver or something like that. Yeah. And there's even a line where it's like, she got the message, but she still took the spoons. <laughs> 
And this is like, again, we're still in the Shire. Things are still goofy. We're still having a good time. Mm-hmm. And then Gandalf shows up like 17 years later. Yeah. And Frodo's been hanging on to the ring. And uh, Gandalf's like, yo, listen, I got to tell you, this ring was made from Sauron and it's evil and the world is going to end and you got to carry this ring and the elves and the men and oh my God, Frodo. That's okay, basically can we pause what happens. Real quick there and say... I totally like missed that the first round. <laughs> so like when he How did comes, you miss so it? I there's note, like so the whole chapter. <laughs> no, chapter four, two? as I recall, I haven't <laughs> well, read no, this book no, in a while. I mean, I know when he came and everything, but like the seriousness of what was happening, right? Oh, and okay. why Gandalf is coming back and all that sort of stuff. I made a note here. It says there are two paragraphs, two about the strange things happening outside the shower. You know, That's evil true. Power at Mordor. Dark towers being rebuilt, and there's like orcs and trolls all over the place. Uh-huh. So that just felt so buried to me that, like, by the time I got farther into the book, I was like, "Wait, did, did why was he even sent on this journey? Why did Gandalf come back? Like, it it just wasn't that explicit to me as as a reader, just kind of going through it and taking it all in. It it felt like it should have been heavier and been more of a bigger deal about why everything that's going to happen next needs to happen it just didn't feel that important to me at the beginning it's just say. what i found okay i i didn't miss it but i've also like i've seen the films so i'll say that going into reading this i've seen the films so i did watch it afterwards totally better than the book it's Sorry. It's, it's a pretty good film the, it's better than the book is this how it feels to listen to our podcast when we talk about a book that you really like So, Andrew, here's what I felt in this chapter where it was Gandalf story time, right? Uh huh. He spent way more time giving the backstory of the ring yes. than telling me about all of the nastiness happening out in the world. Like, the okay. second he says Sauron, Bill, uh, Frodo's like, oh, yeah, I heard of him. He's the worst. Like, it's okay. I get it. <laughs> And I suppose, I suppose that if Sauron had happened in your world, like you would probably have heard about it. Like I, I don't doubt that. Um, but to your point, Joe, like he does kind of undersell the fact that people out there are like totally dying or whatever because of Sauron. Quick question, because of multiple names, is Sauron the Dark Lord? Yes. yes. Great. Okay. Good. Just you, you see, can be excused because. I found uh, a paper that said that Sauron had at least 30 names in The Lord of the Rings. Oh, jeez. He is referred to as Sauron the Deceiver, Lord of the Earth, the Enemy, the Master, the Dark Power, the Dark Lord, Lord of Mortar, Dark Lord of Mortar, the Power of the Black Land, the Black Master, the Black One, Lord of Baradur, Lord of the Dark Tower, the Shadow, the Great Eye, the Red Eye, the Eye of Baradur, the Lidless Eye, the Evil Eye, the Unnamed, the Nameless, the Nameless One, the Nameless Eye, He, Him, the Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Ring, the Ringmaker, and the Black Hand. Is that a World War One reference to Black Hand? I don't. I don't know. I think so. So, nonetheless, kind of, guys are kind of bringing rough. me down. What? Okay. <laughs> adventure. So, it takes a while to get to the adventure, Andrew. Oh my can god! You, can you back me up? No, there? it does. It does. It does take a little bit to get going, and then the early part of the adventure is easily Whoa. the most boring part of the whole book. Whoa. Okay. Let let's <laughs> let's. I don't want to belabor this because we do have to get to pump to 
Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadil. We have to get to him, oh, and God. we have to, and this we can't. This is going to be three hours I know. long. Trilogy. We can't spend too much time with Tom Bombadil because then he's the worst. Um, he is. But they set out. Frodo decides to set out with his Hobbit friends. Frodo happy. was told to set no, out not by happy. Gandalf. This is Sam, Gamgee, Mary, and Pippin. Okay. Mary and spelled I'm going to try and expedite some stuff for you guys. Fatty joins them. Don't forget yes! Fatty. Well, Fatty Bulger is a minor character at best. <laughs> let's con- let's continue. And they f- they're they're out there, and there are Black Riders. Excuse me, Nazgul. Excuse me, Ringwraiths. Excuse me, whatever Men else they're who called. Got turned bad. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. They work for Sauron. They're basically Death Eaters, um, and <laughs> they hunt down the One Ring. Right, Andrew. Sure. Am I yeah, right? That's fine. Uh huh. Okay. Um. But again, we don't know all of that when they first are introduced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't like how information is parsed out, the timing of it. I will just say that. That I wish there was... Like, is it not, is it not, like, cooler just to have, like, this vague menacing force that's so evil you can sense how evil it is even though you don't know why you feel like it's so evil? All I know is these little people are upset because they hear a horse. I don't actually know. Why do you want, like, why do you want this whole treatise on why everything is before it happens? Like, why can't... (laughs) This is actually a debate that used to happen in a lot of my MFA writing classes where it's like, what information do you give at the beginning of a story versus not? And I don't like writers that are coy. And I don't necessarily think he's being coy, but there's just, like, where, like, you, like, really withhold information, like, to surprise people or something. But I we just do have of... a double standard here where we just slammed him for spending like too long talking about how hobbits work, and now we want him yeah, to explain how ring rates work. Come on. Well, just tell me more about like what's going on to know how serious it is. That's just the thing. It just didn't feel like it was all that scary in the beginning or all that's, that imperative. That's the thing about this book is that you're reading it, and at the beginning of the book, it's like, oh, this is kind of like The Hobbit. It's going to be like this light journey. And then as they are pursued by these like way more intense and evil forces than ever appear anywhere in The Hobbit, it dawns on you that, hey, this is a different story that he's telling. Mm. And like not everybody is going to know everything. And again, you get like a big retroactive info dump later in the book that I'm sure you guys are going to complain about. (laughs) Uh-huh. How's okay, how I'm But I, I hear really you, I hear how, what you're saying though. I hear How your should point. we how should we structure the rest of this show? Like should we just blow through the plot and then you guys tell me what you liked and what you didn't like because I really don't want it to like it's going to take forever at this point. Yeah, we should probably do that. I think that's okay. fine. Didn't you say you had a quick thing, Craig, to like run through? I do. I've kind of been going through it, but it's we can faster. I can speed it up. Leave the commentary by the side of the road, and then we'll pick it. We'll pick it back up. All right. Okay. At the end. So I'm gonna try and just I'm gonna do the whole book right here. Oh my okay. God. All right. I don't know how it's gonna go. All oh right. Geez. We're gonna see. Go. So, the Nazgul chase them through the woods, and they go mm-hmm. into the other woods, and then they get eaten by a tree. It's like the forest in Zelda because every time they go left, it goes right. And then Tom <laughs> Bombadil shows up and he's singing at them and he married a river lady and he makes them a bunch of food and he's basically immortal Santa Claus. And then he's like, gotta go. And also he can touch the one ring and nothing happens. And he's basically the dungeon master of this world. All right, great. So then they he's leave and they get attacked by zombie stuff and Tom Bombadil comes back and saves them. And then uh, they get out of there um, and they're in Bree. 
and then yeah. they're singing they're in the bar and they meet Aragorn slash Strider slash the King of the North or whatever he is. And then oh, he yes. takes them into the woods to find Gandalf and get them all the all the while they're trying to get to Rivendell so that they can get Frodo to Elrond, the king of the elves. Right? He's the, the king, king of the, of the elves. elves. Who no, had that homely house or elves. something? In the Hobbit, the homely house. No, he's just he's a he's an elven like a a, a well respected elven dude who has a cool <laughs> valley and house. Can you imagine if the ranks of elvens were like dudes and bros and yeah. Meister bros? That'd be Dude pretty shoes. great. Yeah. Sorry, Andrew. I know you don't want commentary in this summer. Okay, keep going. Keep going. No, that's Rivendell. Fine. No, that's good. Um, so they they get to Rivendell after Aragon looks at rocks and is like, "Oh, this means Gandalf's here." And they meet another elf who saves. Uh, right before they get to Rivendell, they get attacked by all the Black Riders, and then Elrond shows up and washes them away with a river. It's pretty cool. That part was and pretty book cool. Book one. Yeah, uh, that's the yeah that's the end of book one of six Lord of the Rings. Great job. Uh, they go to Rivendell and they sing a lot, and then they hang out with Bilbo, and then they sing some more, and then they tell stories, and Bilbo freaks out. And then they meet all the people who are going to be in the fellowship because they need Wait, to get why Frodo. Why does Bilbo freak out? You have to be more. Oh, sorry. Bilbo really wants the ring. He hasn't seen the ring in a long time, and he almost takes it from Frodo. And he, he wants like, to touch it. He wants to touch the precious. Um, that whole business, and uh, he realizes that that's a bad idea. So he has to stay with the elves in Rivendell. Um, even though Frodo is like really happy to see Bilbo, it's kind of sad. Uh, so then Elrond explains that they got to get rid of this ring because it's Sauron's and Sauron is gathering power and orcs and stuff and they have to throw it into Mount Doom and you meet Legolas who's an elf and you meet Gimli who's a dwarf and you meet Boromir who's a dude. He's a man. He's a, he's a man. He's and a man. From the, from the jump he seems kind of like a butthead. Like they, <laughs> he's got so opinions. So here's a way that I like how uh, Tolkien like delivers information, actually. He gives you a paragraph where it's like, oh, man, Gandalf's here. Oh, man, Bilbo's here. Oh, here's Gimli, and here's Legolas, and here are the hobbits. And then there's like a paragraph break, and Elrond is like, this is Boromir. He's a man from Rohan and Gondor. And you're, you can just tell right there that Boromir is not a cool dude. Um, then Gandalf tells a really long story about how... <sighs> Uh, he went to go see Saruman, who's the king of the wizards. And he's not the king. <laughs> is he the king of the wizards? He's not the king of the wizards. Good he, lord. He leads he's the, the ringmaker. Count- he was white, and now he is of many colors. He leads the white council, and he knows a lot about Sauron, which means that he had to study Sauron's ways, which means that he thinks maybe he should have the ring. I thought he and, made the ring. Well, but he wants it. Oh. Um, and maybe they could, like work with Sauron a little bit it'd be kind of cool I guess Uh, and he imprisons Gandalf and then Gandalf had to escape this is a part where I thought maybe the book should have just like cut over to Gandalf for a second yes but but that's cool action instead of telling yes Um, but that's fine so then Elrond is like hey you guys got to go through the woods to get this ring to Mordor I guess Um, and they're going up the Misty Mountains they get attacked by snow um (laughs) And then, so they can't go through the and Misty warm. Mountains. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a dwarven name for the for the evil god of snow. It's like Kothradu or something. Um, so they have to That's go. That's not it, but yes, you're, you're right that there is a name. <laughs> keep going, keep going. Uh, then they have to go into the Mines of Moria. They have to fight a Cthulhu monster quickly first because the Cthulhu monster tries to kill Bilbo. 
Um, and they there's like Fair a enough. thing. For, yeah, is that oh, a real man. thing, Cthulhu? Is that a reference I missed? What the? No, it's a reference to Cthulhu. Okay. There's a tentacle a monster Balrog. in the lake. Is that a Metallica is it, song? Wait, is the tentacle monster the Balrog? Oh no, the tentacle monster is something else. All right. Yeah. I don't yeah. even know what's going on. We're not talking about it. You're going through this anymore. so fast and skip you're alighting over so many things that I'm not sure. Sorry. We're in the tunnels. To so we're in, in the, the mines of Moria, which no one wanted to go into, but Gandalf thinks it's the only way to go. And Cause of the snow. yes, because of the snow god that tried to eat now, them. Now the mines of Moria a long, long time ago. I'm just gonna bust in to give yep, you a little do bit it, of do necessary it, do context. It. Um, it used to be like a high seat of the dwarves and um, like Thor and Oakenshield from The Hobbit and um, Gimli, who's with them, like they, they're this is like their ancestral home. And yes. a long time ago, a long time ago, they mined too deep. They woke something up and it chased them out. And there have been what? attempts to reclaim Moria since then, but they have not gone super well. All right, go on. And Balin and the two other dwarves from The Hobbit, Orin, mm-hmm. right? Orion Oli or something? Yeah. Um, just, whatever. Go so ahead. They, <laughs> I'm trying to remember really hard. They went uh, in I their... honestly don't remember the other two dwarves from the okay, Hobbit. Like, that's I, fine. I don't you know if I could do. name you all the dwarves from the Hobbit right now. Um, they uh, they went in there to try and reclaim it, and no one ever saw them. And then they find out that they died. Um, and then Gandalf reads a journal talking about all the bad days leading up to when they died. Oh, that that's right. I forgot about oh, that. God. That was the pits. Uh, so then they're going through the tunnels and then there's a bunch of orcs around them and then they go across a bridge and a Balrog is chasing them, which is like okay, a two big quick fire questions. monster. Okay. Okay. What exactly? Okay. We are cursing on this one. What the fuck is an orc exactly? And what the hell is a Balrog? Andrew, help me out. Like actually, <sighs> right, so this- like I couldn't like picture them really in my head. You know what I mean? Like as I was reading it, what are they? Yeah, like that's that's one, and I, even the Hobbit movies, I'll, I'll credit them for being really good at visualizing Tolkien's world. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, when you read these books, sometimes it seems like the characters are just kind of wandering down featureless hallways. No, he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, he named every brick in every hallway, but he would not describe <laughs> it to you. Yeah, exactly. right. Which is like there's enough like detail and stuff in these books already that you don't need to get into that kind of thing. But so if you if you go back to like the Silmarillion and stuff, yeah, I'll th- do that. There was once a an even worse guy than Sauron. Oh, mm-hmm. like an even like Sauron's boss, basically, yeah. who's not around anymore. <laughs> but back in the day. Like he basically he bred this like corrupted race of elves and those became the orcs and they're just like they hate they hate light and they're immortal and they're evil and they suck. Okay. And then Balrogs are like like are similarly corrupted like demigods. No, they're like giant demon. They're giant fire demons, basically. Well, yeah, but that's what they originally were. Yeah, basically. I mean, there's like he called a a demon from hell. I don't think. Or from like fire. From or Tolkien Hell. Tolkien Hell. Well, because there, there are like it, there are a couple different levels of of godlike beings. Like there's actual god. There's like the creator deity right. at the top. And then, then there's there Tom Bombadil. Of, like mini god. Like I think <laughs> there are gods. That you, Tom Bombadil is a whole other thing. There are like mini <laughs> gods underneath that creator deity who like go into the world and and try and do his bidding. Okay. Um, the the original the, his name is Morgoth. <laughs> and that was Sauron's boss. Like he was one of these like god guys. 
And oh. then Sauron is another level below that, like a more minor kind of god. And the Balrogs are basically on that same tier. Is as very is Christian. Gandalf, as is Saruman. Yeah. Like the Wait, the Balrogs are on the same tier as Sauron? Yeah. Whoa. Well, because they all originally were the same. Like, the Balrog is not, like, subservient to Sauron. Like, he's just the dude who is hanging out in Moria, making it impossible for dwarves to come back. Get out of my mansion. <laughs> He's just like an he's just like an evil leftover from a, from a bygone. He just moved age. in and he's not leaving. He's, he's a squatter. squatter, pretty much. This is my mountain or my hole. Oh, and can we talk about Gandalf's like best last line ever? So he's fighting Balrog, right? Everyone else is like running away, and he's yelling at them, and so he yells at them, "Fly, you fools! What is that? <laughs> Fly, you fools!" Well, don't it's try, don't try and fight. His go. His most famous line after the films is actually different between the movie and the book. I'm sure Andrew, you have heard about that. Oh, I don't know this. Did you not Explain know that? Explain to tell the story. Um, so they're running down the bridge, and this is just before Fly You Fools. Mm-hmm. And he turns around and he shouts at the Balrog, and he says, "You cannot pass." And in the movie, Ian McKellen, perhaps exercising some some liberties on his part <laughs> yelled you shall not pass oh no and i Heresy. mistakenly went to the internet and ended up on a forum where people were debating which one was stronger <laughs> that is a I rabbit hole I actually, that you can I never think come I, back from i do like shall not better yeah i think i like but. shall not i think you cannot sounds like a statement of fact like you cannot pass you cannot come pass. on try me as opposed to you shall not yeah, the, the some corners you. of the internet believe that you shall, shall not, not is like throwing down. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like you some can't pass because I'm not going to let you. On the internet, think that shall not is more like well, you won't pass right now, which seems oh, like like you could pass later. You so is anyone going right to actually say what happens after he says "fly, you fools"? Well, and then he he like destroys the bridge and the Balrog falls, but the Balrog grabs Gandalf with the whip and he pulls him down into Tolkien Hill or wherever they fell. Mm-hmm. Um, to be continued. To be continued. Um, mm. And everyone's super sad and they get, they finally find their way out of the mines and basically everyone just cries. Like they get out there and it's sunny and that's great, but they're all, it's the bummerist. Um, the bummerist. <laughs> which makes sense, I think. Like there's a weird whole thing in the early parts of the book where like everyone really all the hobbits in the shire like love gandalf especially frodo and he like spends plenty of time away for no reason and like large portions of the early like of the book early on are like wonder where gandalf is i think that's the part where he's supposed to be trapped by saruman but i don't really know well yeah, it's well, not he's it's learning not about no the ring at there that are, point. there are various things that he's doing one of them is he's learning about the ring, which is why he then comes back to Frodo and sends uh, him on this adventure. I suppose. Um, right. So I got that. After they lose Gandalf, Aragorn's in charge, Strider, um, whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, and they go and hang out with some elves. They go to Loth- Mirkwood. Lothlorien? They said they go yeah. through Mirkwood. They, no, look they, Mir- through they look at Mirkwood. They look at Mirkwood and then they go hang out in Lothlorien. They go nowhere near Mirkwood. I was so like excited because it. it was in there, and I thought it was a callback, and they're not even in Mirkwood. Fine. All right. 
Sorry about that. I mean, it's a callback in that it exists. It's a location that exists in both. <laughs> but products, I totally but... thought that's where these elves were. But all right, I like that Lorien was like a town in Mirkwood or something. No, no, no. Mm. It's a separate forest. Ugh. The Golden Wood. It has a million names too. Oh no. Even Lorien is like a super short name for some other stupid elvish word. Like it, does, <laughs> he, it does go on. And here was my takeaway from the Lothlorien section. I don't know if you felt this way, Joel. I get it. Elves are the best. Like every every other page is a new character going, wow, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. This is so beautiful. I can't believe it's like time doesn't even pass. Oh, it's like there. It's like perpetual honeymoon. The elves just built this beautiful place. Oh, Oh, isn't the elves world the best world? Can't even imagine where else I would be forever. Elves are the best. This is the perfect segue to a quote that I found, Andrew, that I want you to hear. So we talked last time about how Tolkien was part of a writer's group called the Inklings. Mm -hmm. And so while he was working on Lord of the Rings, he would, you know, bring parts of what he was writing and read it to the group and things like that. They would all be sharing things that they're working on. And this other writer, Dyson, who was pretty well known at the time, um, but subsequently out of the group, everyone knows Tolkien and Lewis Moore. He was known to swarl. To snarl, oh fuck, not another elf. <laughs> I just thought that was a good time to put that out there. <laughs> so I think the biggest thing that happens while they're with the elves is the the bit with the the pool of water and the eye, right? What's Do you her remember name? that part? Galadriel? Galadriel? Galadriel. We'll go with Andrew's pronunciation. Galadriel. One of only like two women in the book, right? At all? Yeah, the the book is not great with acknowledging that women are a thing. Like, they see Arwen in Rivendell, Mm -hmm. and basically they all go, she's real pretty, and then they go to to her. I know. They go, uh, there's like implications that Aragorn and her are like snogging or whatever. That's fine. Um, And then they go to Lothlorien, and Galadriel's like, hey, check out my bowl full of magic water. Take a look in it and see, <laughs> like, your wishes or your future or whatever. Um, and Sam has some, like, terrifying visions of the Shire getting demolished. Um, mm-hmm. And then Frodo sees the Eye of Sauron, the black eye, the eye in the tower, the, the ringmaker. Sorry, what's his name? Sauron. Just say Sauron. Just like, let's, let's, we don't have it's to not call Dark Lord. Who's the, the eye? It's his eye. They're all the same dude. <laughs> wait. So, oh, oh, wait. The wizard is Saurasen? Saruman. Saruman. What? Samisen. Is another guy. Oh. Who's the eye? Sauron. Sauron. Who's the Dark Lord? That's Sauron. 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 Also okay. Sauron. The big bad. I want to design a quiz where every it's just all the names of Sauron and the answer is Sauron every time. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to figure out. Are the you other a wi- Sauron or a Saruman? The, the wizard's <laughs> name is quiz. too close. It's too confusing. All right, uh, fine. Seize so the eye. Yeah, CZI. You learn that Galadriel has uh one of the other rings one of the three missing elvish rings of power yes mm-hmm. um which as soon as frodo says that out loud after they leave the woods and aragorn is like shut up don't say that out loud <laughs> shut <laughs> up also, well actually be, real quick about be those cool rings. for once frodo come on <laughs> about those rings so in the beginning of the book 
they talked about how there were nine rings made for mortal men. Those are now the Black Riders, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, right. There were seven rings for dwarf lords. I don't think we've really dealt with that too much in this book. There's three Those rings. Those are mostly yeah. either Sauron has them or they've been lost or destroyed. Like they okay. don't narratively come into the books very mm-hmm. prominently. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the three rings for elven kings or something like that. Um, yes. And then one yeah, ring yeah. to rule them all for the Dark Lord. There you go. And in the darkness, mm-hmm. bind them. Yes. Yes. Yeah, right. So um, she's got one of the three. Well, because the deal was like Sauron, like forged, the reason he forges one ring is like he wanted to exert power over all the people who are wielding all of the other rings. Well, it was yeah. a trick. And like, yeah, right. And My in, ring's in better so than doing, your ring. Like, incre- yes. Increasing yeah. his own power. So men are like pretty susceptible to this kind of thing. So they all like the the nine men wearing those rings of power all became black riders and they they totally suck and are terrible. He wanted to do the same thing to the dwarves, but they're like more resilient. And so they got like greedy and stupid sometimes, but they would not like become wholly corrupted like men would. Yeah, dwarves are innately magic resistant. You get it's like a bonus on your character sheet. And then the elves, <laughs> the elves, the elves are the best. Just, we get it. Were just like distrustful enough of Sauron that they they didn't let him help forge those rings, and they they like hid them as soon as they knew what his game was. One of the things I thought was really interesting. We're close to the end of the book, so I'm, I feel like I can yeah. slow down a little bit and talk about something yeah, I sure. thought was kind of cool. Sure. Um, the they learn in Lothlorien that if they destroy the One Ring, there's like. 95% chance that a bunch of other stuff is going to get ruined. Like, mm-hmm. I don't remember the specific rules that they talk about, but, like, they're pretty certain that Lothlorien won't be as cool anymore. Like, other mm-hmm. magic rings will lose their power. Other magic in the land might be harmed by the destruction of the One Ring, mm-hmm. which I thought mm-hmm. lent the whole thing, like, an extra an extra layer of tragedy that I thought was neat. Um yeah, because I mean the 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 elven rings are not like meant to exert power over other yeah, people. Yeah, Elrond so much. says like, that. Yeah, like like Tolkien is is I think intentionally kind of ambiguous about what it is that they do exactly, but the implication is that they are they they sort of have this power of preservation. Like so, all these elves that are in Middle Earth, they they originally used to they came from the West, like this magical <laughs> like heaven land or something and they all came to middle earth to hang out in the first age and then since then they've slowly been going back to the place where they came from like they made they made the gods mad and so they had to chill in middle earth for a while but then there was an amnesty there was an amnesty declared and they could all come back so the the power of the of the three rings is kind of to make the elves be cool with still staying in middle earth because they built all the stuff in middle earth and they're really attached to it but yeah they, I think they all know that eventually they gotta go home, like they gotta because mom's calling. Mom's calling. <laughs> that also <laughs> reminds me of uh, something that Saruman, the wizard, the got wizard, that right? Saruman. He said at one point when he was holding Gandalf, or Gandalf said he said it when he was holding him. Um, the time of the elves is over, but our mm-hmm. time is at hand. The world mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. men, which we must rule does beg the question again of our wizards men but we don't need to answer that right now so, they are not <sighs> like i mean like <laughs> like we I'm, men we well they are. they don't they say we cuz G- gandalf and saruman are kind of minor gods what? so the we is in reference to them sure gods? and then yeah they're wizards 
Where does it say they're, they're wizards, gods? But like they they were they have taken like the guise of wizards and they were sent to Middle Earth to help counteract the stuff that Sauron was doing. Okay, basically. am I supposed to know that from this book, or is that that no. God bless you book? No, that's from the God bless you book and from okay. the appendices. Right, I didn't of the Lord of the Rings. Great. Okay, I'm just good. Try, so I'm I didn't just trying miss to fill something. in like. No, you didn't miss anything. I'm just <laughs> okay. trying to fill in. Not like I'm seriously not trying to just nerd check the whole podcast. No, I know the whole time. it's fun. I'm just, actually, I'm trying it to drop like fun. contextual information that like because Tolkien wrote this like knowing all the stuff in the Silmarillion, right. right? So he like everything has this like deeper and higher significance than maybe comes across. And I and think there I are... think understanding the significance of everything helps you appreciate more. Like I would say, what yes he's telling to that, you and why which he's is telling one you of it. my problems with the book. And yeah, I, right. I also yeah. think, um, so uh, let me get to the end real quick because I oh, think right. this, I, I want to come back to this point I was just about to make. Uh, great. Okay. That's great radio. Um, <laughs> so they leave the elf land after they sing more songs and they get on some boats and they're coming up to a spot where they're going to have to pick. Do they go to Boromir's home and Condor. help use the ring, like basically give the to ring men. to men? Mm-hmm. and use it to overthrow Sauron, which is probably a bad idea. Yeah. Um, or they're going to take it straight to Mordor, which is also a terrible idea because they're all going to die, I guess. Throw um, fire. Yeah, and they're like taking the ring to him to destroy it, which seems like a kind of a dicey risky. proposition. Risky. So Yeah, r- very risky. So they set out down the river in the elf boats, and uh, Boromir's starting to act a little weird and then there's like a creature on a log which is coming at them and it's clearly Gollum and it takes a really long time <laughs> for anyone to go like hey maybe that's Gollum uh-huh. and then as soon as they say that Aragorn is like yeah I've been tracking him for a couple days I think it's Gollum and it's yeah. like guys have we not been through enough that we could just all like say yo I think there's a Gollum over there and talk about it <sighs> yeah like it, it reminded me it reminds me of when better. I yeah I know <laughs> It reminds me of of when I read uh, Dracula, and it's like two-thirds of the way through the book before anybody was like, you know what? I bet that pale guy, there's something weird going on with him. <laughs> like, it just takes him forever to realize that he's a Dracula. I mean, so we should say that in the whole council thing, when Gandalf is saying where he's been for all those months, he talks yeah. about how he was tracking Gollum, yes. the Dark Lord, the Eye, whatever. He held him, got information from him, which is how he knew to go to the Shire to try and find the ring. And then Gollum escaped the Dark Lord, which really? But okay. So it, Uh of course, he's looking for the ring. I mean, my my favorite part, though, actually, is at the council when Legolas is there and he's like, "Um, guys, my name is Legolas and I'm just here to say that uh, Gollum escaped. Sorry. Just gotta... Yeah, because he was in he was entrusted yeah, like Gandalf and Aragorn <laughs> caught him and then entrusted him to the Mirkwood elves. Yeah. And then Legolas Mirkwood. was like about that. Funny you should mention. I don't uh, know where he is. Exactly. Gollum on the loose. Think he's gone. Think his name's Gollum. Gollum. Think he's gone. Think he's gone. He, he like climbed up a tree. Yeah. And then we couldn't get him. Uh so they're on the river, Gollum's on a log, I guess, and um, they're getting attacked by orcs. Doesn't go great, but they're doing okay. <laughs> and they hide out and then like get up on the on the banks and they're like, "All right, well, what do we do now? Do we keep going on the river, or do we like go on land and head over to Gondor?" And Frodo's like, "Guys, chill out. I need an hour by myself. I'm gonna figure <laughs> it out, and then we'll decide what to do." 
And while he's away, Boromir sidles on up and is like, mm-hmm. hey, man. Hey, buddy. What's, What's going on? What if I got the ring? Like, what if you gave it to me? That's or like, totally the voice I heard. That'd be I read. cool. That's that'd, like, be that'd be pretty, cool. That'd be, we could just like come back. He comes to up my with house. like I imagine like a smooth talking like jazz voice. Like, hey, baby, <laughs> hey, baby. why don't you get why don't you get that little old ring? You don't need it. You don't need to worry about that. Just give it on. <laughs> it looks so, on over to Boromir over it here. It looks so heavy in your little hobby hands. Oh, just pass that ring over here. It's for my, it's for my fathers and the fathers of my fathers of my fathers. Come on, back to hey, my land. This be good. I don't think we really we get some good going over here. <laughs> this is taking a turn. Let's point that out. And he flips out. And of course, like mid Barry White monologue, uh, Frodo's like, I gotta get out of here. And he puts the ring on and like runs away. See ya. And you get Boromir has this moment where he's like, "Oh, dip! I messed up." Oh man! <laughs> oh, I did. I did that thing where I Barry White at the Hobbit oh, again. I can't believe it. Uh, no. I said I'd oh. never do this again. <laughs> I swore after the first time in sex class I'd never do this again. Oh. Um, I know that was not the reaction I expected from everyone. <laughs> Great. Um, and so like the everyone gets back together and is like, "Oh no, where did Frodo go?" And Boromir shows up. And he's like, hey, I kind of did bad. a bad thing. And uh, they go try to find Frodo. And Sam is like, you know what? I bet he's going to take a boat. <laughs> like Sam just has like a little moment of brilliance. And he sees a boat. Well, he knows being... Frodo's going Frodo's gonna to dip. Yeah, he knows Frodo's going to dip. And uh, he sees. Is this sees... a word I don't know? Are the kids saying this these days? Dipping yeah. means leaving? Yeah. Like you're going to ghost? It's basically kind of a, like bouncing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that one? Yep. Okay. But it's now like kids dip. They don't bounce. You don't dip tell is like, people I gotta, that you're dipping. I got to get out of here now. Like, oh. <laughs> I feel like bad stuff's happening. I'm going to dip. So you don't say you're dipping, correct? People say they're bouncing, but you don't no, say you're you just, dipping? Wait, you don't you say do you're going to dip. You just dip. People say it about you. Oh, he just dipped. When this I dip, like you dip. We last dip. Week, <laughs> this is like last week when you I had to explain what Netflix and chill was to Craig because he encountered it on the internet and he thought it was Netflix and chili. That's true. <laughs> Which sounds like a nice way to spend an evening, but yeah. it's not yeah, it's not the phrase. It's Watch some narcos and eat some chili. Um <laughs> so an invisible person is pushing the boat and Sam's like, Well that's Frodo and they get in the boat and then the book ends. Like the book that's ends. it. And um, the book too. And I and you that's where you can kind of tell that this book is part of is part of a trilogy in the way that it's not was written all at once, right? Th- so there's not this like, oh, well, you here's like a crazy years. cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, in there's yeah, yeah, you're right. Like I think it's there is sort of a cliffhanger, like oh man, they're gonna go off in that boat. But there's I think a, the cliffhanger in that you want to know what happens next, and there's no more book, and so you have to you? wait for another one. But do not. You know? <laughs> do you want to know what? Comes I next? do want to know, but it's not written in a way where like. A crazy question mark happens, and right. oh, I really hope he publishes the next book tomorrow. Like, yes. it's, yeah, right. It's just when Tolkien wrote it, there was another book on the next part of his shelf, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that might be the cause of some of the pacing issues in this book, like the Fellowship of the Ring, where the exposition, the exposition parts, or like Gandalf sitting around the council telling that part where he oh, was captured, God. like. 
that part I is a cool story, but could have been told differently for my money. And mm-hmm. I feel like in the pacing of six books might feel different than in the pacing <laughs> of like one of three novels. Does that make sense? Yeah, and th- and there there are some like let's let's keep talking about the Gandalf thing because I think it's a good example. Like there that that boring part or that, mm-hmm. like that info that info dump after the fact the info council dump. of elrond which is just one yeah. big info dump yeah right it, it, that that is it's done like to preserve the like the dawning dread of the yes. first part of the hobbit's journey cuz the deal like gandalf is held by saruman at the same time as he's supposed to be meeting frodo and they're supposed to head off together so frodo mm-hmm. is leaving like honestly a little after he should have because he's been right. waiting for Gandalf and he likes right. the Shire and okay, like if you know that that's happened to Gandalf already it's still like you're still like come on Frodo like get out of there oh the Black Rider's behind the door don't go in there but it's, <laughs> it's <not laughs> I, I, I find the way that Frodo's story like the journey unfolds satisfying enough that I don't mind the info dump later mm, and okay. i mean maybe that's just because i i read this when i was younger and like i i wasn't reading it and being like well that's that's narratively dubious i don't know about that <laughs> that's a good point that's a good point that's not the decision i would have made i i just and i feel like it doesn't f- become an, an adventure ass adventure until like two-thirds of the way in like until they leave rivendell where yeah this- yeah, and I Where, think that's, par- that's partially and intentional. And orcs and a Balrog. Yeah. yeah, like a bunch of stuff it's happens. It's like the last, the last third of book one. Book one, the, book two. The, oh yeah, book one when they're with and Bree then the and, and then the the last two thirds of book two are like the adventurist parts, yes. and then the rest of the time you're just kind of kind of revving your engines up for adventure later. That's true. <laughs> um, so let's talk Tom Bombadil real quick. Oh my! All right, Andrew, this is, this is one area danger. where I can, I can. <laughs> that is the first thing I thought, and I wrote it down. When the, first there's the tree that's eating them, and then this dude shows up, and he's like singing lots of songs, lots of bad songs, and he saves them. So I guess you can trust him. And then he's like, "Hey, come with me, stay with me," and they're like, "Sweet, let's go." No, stranger danger. Don't don't follow this crazy. I don't think they have. I I think you. They they know that the Black Riders are bad. Like they have clear stranger danger there. Good. I think they just don't feel like. Well, one, he saves them from being eaten by a tree, and two, (laughs) and two, he doesn't. I guess he must not feel as evil as the Black Riders do. But okay, this is one area of the book where I can be as mad at it as you guys are, and maybe even more mad. Okay, go for it. it. Because because for you guys, Tom Bombadil is just a just a diversion with like weird songs, and it's like okay, that was that was weird. Hey doll, merry doll, ring it on, Bombadillo, ring it on, hop along, follow the willow, Bob Armadillo, Tom Bomb, Jolly Tom, Tom Bombadillo. The deal with Tom Bombadil is like he doesn't Tolkien thought of everything like his whole world is so structured and there's so much backstory like everything has some connection to something that happened three thousand goddamn years ago keep going keep going do it and tom bombadil 
like he's not he doesn't belong he's he's, he a god? he's not god he's no. not a god he said he's not like the creator being of the universe he's the master of he's wood, not water, like that in that second layer of like <laughs> greek style gods like who manage the sea and like the earth and stuff wood water and, and he's not he's not at the same level as like gandalf and sauron and saruman and the balrogs like that that lower down level of god like he's just the ring doesn't do anything to him and he just he doesn't care about the affairs the, like anything else that's happening in the world and it's just like what are you tom bombadil he plucked a lady out of the river and like married her i guess and like that river lady is another thing like in <laughs> they're not married narnia think, like there's something not, shady like, going on with that <laughs> there are not like wood nymphs that hop out and dance at night like this isn't i don't they don't make sense but he in does have a pony named the rest Fatty of Lumpkin. World. He does have a pony named Fatty Lumpkin. He does Lumpkin. have a po- pony named Fatty Lumpkin, which I would think was funnier if we didn't already have Fatty Bulger. His name <laughs> That's true. That, that I quite true. frankly... I, I liked Fatty Lumpkin better. That was a good name. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so he has like, the point of Tolkien's deal with it, like his justification is that like, there's some things that should remain mysterious, especially if you have a good reason for, especially if you like know who they are and what, why they exist in the world. Like he never, Tolkien explains everything so much. And Tom Bombadil is just a stupid, pointless mystery who doesn't ever factor into the story in any major way ever again. We know, we all know, right, that Tom Bombadil was originally a doll that belonged to one of Tolkien's sons, and yeah. then Tolkien's son Michael tossed him in the toilet, and that was that's where he belongs. <laughs> Tolkien, <laughs> Tolkien rescued him and made him a protagonist of the poem "The Adventures of Tom Bombadil." That's this what happened. Thing? Yes, this, is, this is this is where Tom Bombadil comes from. That's where you should have stayed. Literally the toilet. Yeah, literally <laughs> the toilet. <laughs> but yeah, like if I were going to do a director's cut of this book, I would do what Peter Jackson does and like Hobbits to take the Shire and then smash cut to Bree. Like you skip that forest. Yep. Yeah. You skip Tom Bomb, Hey Doll, Mary Doll, Tom Bombadillo. You skip that <laughs> nonsense. And you just get right to Bree because that's when stuff and it's, starts getting it real It feels again. really weird when they're at the Council of Elrond and Elrond is like, no, I don't think we should ask Tom Bombadil. I don't think <laughs> they like have to go out of their way to be like, no, Tom Bombadil really can't come back into the story. Like, why did you do it in the first place? And they call him Bombadil. They call him the Bombadil at one point. Bombadil. He's a Bombadil. Like, come on. <laughs> now, and the weirdest, okay, not the weirdest thing because we already covered Tom Bombadil. Yeah. But just before Tom Bombadil, before they go into the woods, is is the part that Jill you texted me about that <laughs> when it's bath time. Yeah, it's bath and time. Oh this... man, the, do you guys do you, does one of you have like the bath song? Craig oh, has get, get prepared ready. the bath song. Prepa- okay, a dramatic reading of the bath song. No, it's Five. singing. I told him I want and, him to sing it. So oh, are you going to make up a tune? I don't know how the tune is going to go. We're going to find out. But for okay. for Set it up setting, real quick. Setting up the a scene. royal command performance. Yep. Of bath time <laughs> this is what song. older sisters get to do. Sing <laughs> we're a getting song. into the into the struck me funny section of the uh, podcast uh, where we just <laughs> list parts of the book that were weird, <laughs> and one of them is in the house Crick Hollow, where mm-hmm. 
Which is in the shot, mm-hmm. kind of in the Shire, but like on the borders. Yes. Where Fro- Frodo has made this whole show of like <laughs> pretending to move down there. He can't even My, look at the So map. he can leave the Shire without like other people in the Shire knowing about it because he already knows that people are trying to follow him and figure out his stuff. And one of my favorite parts of that whole like sequence is when Mary looks at him. He's like, yo, Frodo, we all knew. Like, yeah, that's right? my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's like we've, we've known this for months. We've been planning this. Uh, We're all over it. Because you'll like stand there and be like, oh, I don't know if I'll ever see this river again. <laughs> <laughs> like that I think that's verbatim right no you're like, right like Mary that. says that exact thing to him it's like you would just walk around going like well I guess I'll never see this again <laughs> okay what okay so all right, so, so they've been running from the Black Riders they're all dirty they finally get to Crick Hollow so dirty where Fatty and is where Fatty is he's keeping Fatty everything Bulger's warm there. and they're about to quarrel over a bathtub well, there's and, three bathtubs. Well, no. First, they, they see don't quarrel. they see one of them. Oh, and then uh, and then Mary says, "We can't begin life at Crick Hollow with a quarrel over baths. In that room, there are three tubs Why? and a copper full of boiling water. Mm. There are also towels, mats, and soap. Get inside and be quick." Okay. And then so now we got three hobbits in a tub. Rub it up, dumb. Rub a dub dub, hobbits in a tub, and uh, Pippin <laughs> starts singing one of Bilbo's favorite bath uh-huh. songs. This implies which, that there are but, which, other baths, <laughs> exactly. and that Pippin like knows like knows Bilbo's bath songs. Like it's the one he always is singing. What's the context for this? That's a very intimate relationship. If you know someone's well, bath no songs. one was surprised or concerned about one room, three bathtubs. So this must—it didn't make it into the Hobbit prologue, but maybe have you it seen should that, have. Have you seen that that YouTube video? One room, three bathtubs. <laughs> Sing hey for the bath that close of day. The washes the weary mud away. Yes. A loon is he that will not sing. A water hot is a noble thing. Oh sweet is the sound of falling rain. And the brook that leaps from hill to plain. Better than rain or rippling streams is water hot that smokes and steams. A water could we pour at need down a thirsty throat and be glad. Oh wait, down a thirsty throat and be glad indeed. But better is beer if drink we lack and water hot poured down the back. A water. Oh wait, wait, wait. A water is fair that leaps on high Is a fountain white beneath the sky But never did fountain sound so sweet As splashing hot water with my feet Look at that! I like that you envisioned it as like a fight song <laughs> well, Or more like a no. drinking song no, Yeah, it's kind of an And I'm clean and you're all clean And now we're clean and we're all clean like, that would have been much more interesting because these poems. We need to release it as a ringtone. Oh, so I think, I think this That's is the a new good intro segue. to the podcast. We are definitely out of time, but <laughs> Jill, I know you wanted to kind of complain a little this'll bit be, about this. Will be the last thing, right? Yeah, I think so. Keep I think... We do have two more episodes of this, and there are going to be <laughs> there. There can be. We can spend more time on like the songs and whatever. Uh, yeah. Another. But what do you want me to podcast. complain about? Kirk? I wanted you to complain about the poems. I think because you kind of came at me real and like real fast after you finished this book and said these things. They blow. What's the deal? And I, I. I mean, when you I feel like it, I know why better, they're but... there. Yeah, there. Thank you. I feel <laughs> like I know like why they're there. Sort of. I don't. But what well, don't you like about them? Okay. Well, one. I can kind of understand the concept of like the the epic poem song yes. mm-hmm. that is told to tell you know stories and histories and I get that. That doesn't mean they're well written. <laughs> Separate point. There's there's other times when there's just random little 
songs, rant, like Sam's singing to himself for no good reason, or, you know, something like that. And again, they're bad. And so it every time there's a break from a narrative, to me, I want it to be really worth it. Mm-hmm. Anything that, in just in any story in general, anything that's going to take me out of the plot, like that's part of why I got very frustrated with the council, because just how it was written, it was so chunky. It didn't like flow well. There's a way to do storytelling and dialogue and, and you know, things like that that can keep things moving. And it just kind of felt like it was slowing things down. And aside from the fact that these poems are the pits, except when you sing it like a drinking tune, um, sometimes the rhyme is weird. <laughs> just the worst. But um, it, you know, it's written on the page for anyone that hasn't seen it. You know, they're centered on the page. It's italicized. It's, it clearly looks like a poem or an epic verse or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so you're visually taken out of the story. And so, okay, so now I got to read this thing because it's very important because it's included. Oh, what the F is this? This blows. It means nothing. Or it's like five pages long about some like dwarf history or some like crazy thing like that. And so then even when it's supposed to convey information, like background information, sometimes it was just so long that I was skimming. I was like, I I yeah. can't like focus my eyes on this. But like it's clearly supposed to give me something. But there was either too many of them or... Maybe if they've been better, I don't know. And I'll I'll agree. Like I I'd said earlier, there are things that you can skip if you read these like subsequent times. I I read these like once every couple years, and yeah, skip the poems because because rarely, like so rarely, do they actually add information that you need to know to continue in the story. Like yeah. the big mm-hmm. info dumps. Yeah, you need to read those. And as we discovered earlier, you actually need to like read them closely to right. get everything that's yep. happening. Yeah, like not parse the case them with apart the and stuff. Yeah, it's not it's not the strongest stuff no. in the book. Oh, and I also have and a yeah, with... like this the stuff you guys are. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, Say just the, the the info dumpy stuff that you guys are complaining about. I will. I, I recall like thinking that stuff was a little bit dull as a kid, and then coming back to it later and liking it more. Hmm. And okay. I think it's just. I think it's just because you as get you've read the other books appreciate... and you know more about it yeah yeah right like you get you get more of an appreciation for it when you can like draw more links like between and i think gandalf is talking about for half an hour yeah (laughs) and i think at that point the only helps the yeah the only characters you have real connections to by then are the hobbits and gandalf and so like when the other characters are participating in those info dumps you haven't really met them yet they haven't done anything that really gives them a a character that you can kind of latch on to mm-hmm. so i feel like rereading those scenes with the benefit of the adventure behind you where you you know who gimli is you know who legolas is you have been won over by aragorn right. um or you are you know how much of a tool boromir is going to be like that <laughs> makes more sense and some of that stuff naturally has to follow the info dump but yeah mm-hmm. um we didn't. I just want to, rather than end on a bummer note, I do want to point out that I liked that Tolkien gave a little nod to why the ring is super powerful, and this will take us out. Um, I don't know if you caught this, Jill. Um, and this is the thing that's always bugged me about this whole like world, where I didn't really understand why they cared so much about a tiny ring that made people invisible. Um, <laughs> but I think it's. I don't. I think it's Gandalf says to Frodo. Um, that it depends on the power of the wearer. So if you are super powerful and have all this training, 
then you can use the ring to do more and more dastardly things. Um, so like Sauron being this big magic creature would allow him to dominate these other people. Um, whereas Frodo can just use it to go invisible. Um, I just hadn't, that's not a thing that I'd seen crop up in other Lord of the Rings literature. Yeah. And it's got this like slow corrupting influence that we didn't get a chance to talk about much, but like basically the deal is like, no matter how good your intentions are, when you take it up, it will be, you're going to be, you're going to be corrupted by it eventually. And by the end, it'll, you'll just have torn down one dark Lord and put up another. Yeah. Completely. And so that's that's like that's the reason why like Gandalf and the White Council and all these people like decide that destroying it would be best rather than trying to use it as Boromir decides that he he should yeah. because he's special, I guess. He's got some designs. <laughs> so if if Craig and Jillian made you as mad as they occasionally <laughs> made me this evening. Uh, you can email us about it at overduepod at gmail.com. You can also tweet about your anger to twitter.com slash overduepod, or you can hop on Facebook and yell at us at facebook.com slash overduepod. <laughs> Craig, if they want to find out more about the show, where should they go? They should go to overduepodcast.com. They will find uh, links to back episodes, Amazon links for the books so they can buy them, uh, links to our iTunes page, which is where you can subscribe to the show if that's your service of choice. Uh, if you do use iTunes, go ahead and rate and review us. It's a great way for other people to find the show. There's also our Stitcher and RSS feeds. If you use something else, that's totally cool. Uh, also, check out the HeadGum Podcast Network, which is being really kind to us and letting us play with them and be on their service. Um, you can find uh, more out about the HeadGum Network and all the shows on the network at headgum.com. Uh, you should also go over to atvpodcast.com. Oh, I yes. record a, uh, another podcast with sometime guest host Margaret H. Wilson and our friend Catherine Van Arendonk about TV. Uh, that posts every other Thursday. And uh, yeah, you can find out more at atvpodcast.com. That's it. I don't think we have anything else. I think next week is more Lord of the Rings. Next week, we're coming back. We're heading over to the two towers. <laughs> Jill, thanks for being Jill. Thanks for being part of my fellowship. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. We Never were definitely on the same team. Without you. Oh, jeez. Yes. <laughs> team. I would have gone there a lot faster. Oh, jeez. Stranger yeah. Danger. I think we're all, we can, as a podcast, we can be anti-bombadil like i'm i'm <laughs> i'm fine with that Good. all right everybody shirts. we'll be back next monday with more lord of the rings Bye. and until then fly you fools and try to be happy <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> You're heading in this one, right? Yep. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that comment. <laughs> About who's editing it. It's not me. Right. It seems to be done spooling whatever it was spooling. I don't know. Okay. What? Was it well, using it, the I, word spooling? No, it's when something starts spinning. It's spooling. Oh, okay. It's a thread reference. It's okay. I know. <laughs> like a reference to <laughs> it's a thread? Reference to like literally thread? Thread. <laughs> thread. And how thread wraps around a spool. Okay. Yeah. It's, a it's not like a crime drama on FX called Thread. <laughs> where like Richard Thread needs to unravel a new case every week or something. I might need to write that book, but no, I don't think that's actually a thing. Oh no, I made her freeze again. Oh crap. Oh, we're back. Oh. Oh boy. Oh jeez. <laughs>